Whether you're a writer of books or songs or a reader of books and a listener to songs, you're going to really enjoy these interviews with some of our leading songwriters and authors. I certainly enjoyed conducting them. My name is Sophie Green and I am your host. Last year, Tamworth-based artist Ashley Dallas won two Golden Guitars, including one for Female Artist of the Year, and this year she took home the Golden Guitar for Traditional Country Album of the Year for her fifth album, In the Moment. But she has already moved on, releasing a completely new single, Take a Minute, earlier this year. I've interviewed Ashley several times over the past year, and while there is a chance that our chats threaten to turn into a talk show, it's because she's so interesting and inspiring to talk to. Ashley is one of the most creative people I've ever encountered, and she is one who appreciates how fundamental creativity is to her life, while also treating it like it's the most everyday thing in her life. So I thought she'd be the perfect person to talk to about writing. Hello, Ashley. Hello. I think you are straight away the talk show bit is a very true notion. <laughs> we'll have our own podcast one day. Who knows? <laughs> I like, oh, don't threaten me with a great time. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what happens you and I start talking sorry yes start laughing. No, no, don't apologize because <laughs> I'll get I'll be serious host now and I will start by asking you where did the idea for take a minute come from uh take a minute was um I found myself just in this kind of notion I'm a mum to two girls as you know um and I just sort of found myself in this time with Harriet before Lillian came along was when I wrote take a minute and I'd like to say that I get I get the balance right most of the time, but I'm human and it, it wavers. Sometimes, you know, working from home, juggling the girls, um, Harriet goes to school only two times a week, and sometimes you're just not as present as you should be. Mm. And I found myself having Harriet come over and ask, you know, have a look at this mum and it, with kids, what they're working on or building drawing is the most present thing and the important thing and if you I found going I'll be there in a minute Dallin I'll be there and it didn't matter to her that I had to finish that job um, because that was important and I just got this idea that sometimes we just need to take the minute sometimes stopping for a minute and enjoying it in its purity before it slips away is really important um and that's where this whole idea came from so we it's kind of a big topic I guess in one song but you know how many times you've been on a road trip and you've gone past something and you go oh, I always wish I stopped there but we never have time why not why don't we make the time to just stop and take that in and appreciate it and I'm sure the destination that we're heading to is still going to be there <laughs> <laughs> very true <laughs> yeah. now this is a song that you wrote um after the songs that appeared on in the moment and in fact it's one of dozens of songs you wrote after you finished that album so you you recorded it with your father um as your producer and uh then you were in song club with with um sam hawksley i know but it seemed that you were just in this really fertile patch of songwriting did it feel like something was unlocked by that album perhaps I do. I think writing for In The Moment, because um, that was the first project I sort of written for after becoming mum too, and I do feel like that project has just kind of unleashed, um, yeah, the flood walls with it, to be honest. I think I know what I, I know. I mentioned balance, but I, I need to write to to be present as well. I need to create. It's my outlet. Um so I've kind of just enhanced my time that I make for writing. Um, 
and I write sometimes in in the chaos of making dinner because if it's there I'm I'm often like I've got to get it out (laughs) (laughs) so I just think um enabling myself to in one way it might sound to some people like pressure by writing all the time but I find that when I write more often I'm not locking it away any I'm not pushing away any ideas you know sometimes I start a write and I know too I think I was like that as a as a teen and early adult um early 20s I was I'd start an idea and if I didn't think it was any good I would just stop straight away and then I kind of found it hard to start the next song mm-hmm. so now I just write if if I and I'm halfway through I don't even want to analyze it I just want to get it out and then you know, it might be the song that leads to the next. So I think that whole process of in the moment um, and where I was at in myself has actually, yeah, opened this whole uh, continuity of just writing like a mad person on page all the time. <laughs> so when you have, so when you said when you're cooking dinner, you might think I've got to get it out. Do you go to a, a notebook rather than a voice memo or an instrument? I go, yeah, I'm all kind of, all of those things you mentioned are, are my tools. Um, I love, I love the feel of like pen to paper. Like I'm a, I like touching and feeling textures of books. So mm-hmm. I, I always kind of scribble as, at that first thing. Um, but if I am obviously in a situation like uh, so many ideas come to me when I'm driving mm-hmm. and I'm also like a super cautious driver so I know <laughs> I, I would like to for that sense I would just turn the voice memo on and you know keep blurting out these lines etc but if I'm in a space where I have that you know if availability to write mm-hmm. that feeling um, and that kind of invoking of the senses makes all of this keep working as well. Okay, because uh, I should say you are a multi-instrumentalist. I, I had forgotten, even though I saw you play live several times over the years when you were playing with Casey Chambers and you were playing fiddle, it wasn't until I saw you play a few months ago, I was like, oh, my God, I completely forgot what a great fiddle player you are. So you do have multiple instruments on your um, that you can go to, but, yeah, there we go. You probably don't write on fiddle as much as guitar. Well, I don't seem to write as much like um I, I often like to muck around with melody, though. Okay. You know, um, I think melody writing on an instrument is really fun. And I, I do I do often go to a different instrument to take my feel to a different place as well. So fiddle is a bit trickier, I guess, because, you know, it's, um, it's not as, like, full-bodied as, you know, the rhythm guitar. It's more, like, it kind of creates that counter-melody um, to the lyric. But... I do, I, you know, I play banjo, mandolin, ukulele, and, and if I'm feeling like I've got that songwriting block, mm-hmm. that's when I turn to an instrument and a sound to try and make me feel something else and, and get me out of my, you know, maybe my normal thinking pattern. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because I've interviewed you several times. We've never spoken about the fact that you might pick up the banjo, mandolin or ukulele when you're writing. Uh, so it's almost like you know, or not like you know, you do know that that's something to do with with synapses and clearing channels and a different instrument is going to just change the way you're connecting things. Yeah, and I think to it kind of, you know, I think we can get in 
to um, ruts of, you know, the same sometimes as well. Like when I have been writing back to back, I can kind of, you know, sit maybe in the same feel. Or, so that's when I realise that that's when I jump on another instrument and another sound as mm-hmm. well. And, and just to kind of, you know, something I play on the banjo straight away is going to sound different to the acoustic. So, and the way I sit and play banjo too is very different. Um, so taking my thought pattern, I'm very cautious of, you know, of um, making myself think different ways. And I really thank the song club experience for that too, because that was probably the most consistent like bam, bam writing thing I'd ever done. And that experience then made me just keep writing as well. My own things outside of the prompt each week. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'd be like, Oh, this prompts made me think of three different things. I'm going to write on the guitar. I'm going to write on the banjo and I'm going to write on the ukulele. And they all turned out like different songs. <laughs> and they were all prompted from one kind of, you know, con like one word or sentence so I think yes I'm a big again it's about feeling I think for me is a huge part of my creative process I've got to really feel and and be taken somewhere to get the best out of my mind and I should mention that song club um, was run by Sam who is an Australian musician living in uh, Nashville and it came about during lockdowns for both countries and it did involve a weekly prompt and you had to record a demo by a certain time. And from what I understand, you might have been allowed one week off, not, not delivering, but any more than that and you were out. <laughs> yeah, you were dead on, no pressure at all. One one get out of jail free card, if you will, um, which is just, again, I got that email and I was like, oh, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to do this for a long time. But I got addicted. <laughs> So the deadline really worked for you because that's interesting too, (coughs) having that structure, particularly, I guess, at a really unstructured time because lockdowns were just like a blob of time as opposed to what people were used to. Um, That helped you uh, not only deliver the songs for Song Club but obviously got you into this habit of of writing the way you are now. Yeah, I think it was too. I have always kind of thrived from showing up for other people. Okay. Like I'm a big team player. Whenever I'm in something or I'm involved, I'm like all in. Like, you know what I mean? Like I I show up, I'm always early to things to help and pack down or set up or whatever it be. So I think that whole concept too of having someone like as prolific as Sam Hawksley leading this beautiful community, Mm. I then felt almost like I not owed it to Sam, but I wanted to show up each week. and switching that off, like I, I realised to the level of that and I've kind of got used to the balance of that, you know, I guess I put pressure on myself essentially is what, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love that whole environment of being able to go, hey, thanks to you, I was able to, you know, and I was very honest too when I'd write in, I'd be like, this week's been manic or I've only written this an hour before the prompt because, you know, there was no balance to this week at all. But I still showed up. I still sat down and I wrote. And that's what kind of drove me in those moments where I guess, you know, it might, the song idea might have been a bit more fleeting. But I was like, no, no, no. That deadline essentially and showing up for some, like for a group, really made me go do it. And, yeah, I think it's then put me in this routine where I'm aware of um, capturing ideas more now. And I think it's just, again, letting things in without 
straight away analyzing it like some you know I think there's all this pressure with writing that everything you write's got to be like the next hit or the bestseller or all of those things but sometimes you just need to creatively write and whether that's just going to be for yourself to read or hear or it's actually going to be out in the audience sector and they hear that you know that you get to know that relationship of a a creative piece once it's finished Mm -hmm. but who are you to be like in that creative moment to not give it a chance to even exist because there's a purpose for every piece that I I think there's a purpose for everything we write Mm -hmm. even the songs that never existed in someone else's because I never released them I needed them because you know I I was gonna unlock things or um, get things off the chest that then you know were blocking the other ideas to come through so I think I've become better at not shutting anything down. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about the prompts um, coming in and you could write the song on one of three different instruments and they could all be different, it made me think that that you exist in a sense of, in a state of constant creative flow, actually, even though you have all these demands on your time with, you know, they're good demands, small children and running a household and things like that, <laughs> but that you're so tapped in actually to whatever the creative field is that you can just draw these things in. And that comes from, you know, a lifetime of experience because you have been playing music since you were a very small person and you have been in a band since you were a pretty small person as well. Um, But do you feel that? Like, do you kind of feel, I suppose it's a bit woo-woo, but do you feel almost super connected in that way? I I do actually. Um, And I think too, at once upon a time, I probably would have denied it because I didn't want to sound, you know, uh, overconfident in myself or whatever yeah. it be but I, I do feel really connected to having creative as my main kind of I feel like it's my rhythm to be honest like to to always be in a you know in song or thinking of songs and melodies or stories um and to be honest it's kind of you hit I, I think you really hit the nail on the head I, I've been doing it since I was I've been making up, you know, stories and limericks and poetry since I was Harriet's age. My oldest daughter's four. And and even I'm seeing similarities with her language development and her imagination. And and that's where my love of storytelling really began. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, you know, I, I work in our household and, um, you know, when I'm in the kitchen doing things for the family, I'm always just making up songs about what I'm doing. Like... <laughs> Often my husband says, does everything have to be a musical? (laughs) Yes, Chris, it does. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does. Uh (laughs) And you did have a song called Dancing in the Kitchen. So that's... Yes. And it's, I think anyone who kind of travels with me too gets to understand a little bit more of my... um, personality is because I often just make up things uh as I go with as we're driving I know I like to do things when we're driving too as well um like looking at the signs of the town Mm -hmm. and then making up songs about the town and making up you know the personalities who own that business sign like so my mind is always going to like how do you how do you sing about that how do you tell that story Mm -hmm. um so I do think, yeah, I'm very touched, like connected into that whole process a lot more now. Well, one of your gifts as a songwriter is 
to make the very specific details of everyday life universal and of your life universal I mean, because you you do sing about the things that are immediately around you. But it's that gift of observation, I think, is a huge part of it. You are able to look at something and then make the connection to how that can become a story that connects with other people. Um, that's, that's more an observation than a question. But I also think it's probably something you've honed well, you had it on your first album, actually. You had to feel five albums. So I remember that first album thinking, wow, she's really, really good. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> so I, I guess it, maybe it's something that, that you just intuitively had, as you said, you from a young age making up stories. Yeah, I think it is probably more, yeah, an intuition probably picked up of, over time, I think, maybe. I, I never really, I, again, I don't. And I really mean that. I don't sit down and try and write a song for, and I don't want to sound rude to my audience, but I don't try and write for a specific target or audience. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I do co-writing sessions where, you know, they might have more of an idea of, you know, a a sound and a lane as such of where they want their their style to fall. And, And I certainly can write to that. But with my own thing, Again, I, I've really got to feel a connection to the lyric first. And then I think once I sort of look at it when it's finished, um, well, obviously, you know, I think as a storyteller, you do want to connect to your, to the greater audience as much as you can and have it as a universal piece. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's not ever done on purpose mm-hmm. because most of my story, like all of my songs, I can think of all the, personal like every kind of moment or you know thing I witnessed or um you know I've only ever really written about yeah my experiences and I think um I think growing up where I have too is kind of probably and how I grew up is probably also another thing that just naturally makes it connect universally I think you know being a regional girl growing up in the town I did it kind of kept my, you know, way that I did talk and would convey my story kind of, you know, um, feel almost like a sense of similarity straight away in conversation. So I think I've just kind of taken that into my songwriting without actually ever really meaning to to be. Because sometimes I look at my songs too and I know Dancing with a Ghost, I was, I was petrified of releasing that album because I thought it was too personal. I thought no one would understand these songs because I was like, you know, my experience of, of you know, being a, a girl that didn't fit in and everyone picked on and all of that and I thought, oh, maybe I've made it too personal. And I think I, I've probably toyed with that whole debate um, for a lot longer than I wished I had in that early stage as well. Um, so, yeah, it's nice. To, it is really refreshing and, and it is that cherry when you release something and, and other people connect to it is, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the true, the grit in what we do really. I think that is the actual key in all of this is that connection to someone. Yeah. Which leads me to a question about you referred to being a storyteller, but I actually wonder whether truth teller is more of the description and by that I mean you know I think your bigger project is documenting the truth of human life and I don't think that's too grandiose to say because in 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 documenting the stories of your life as you go through it you are actually creating this broader picture of what it is to be human and what it is to struggle with humanity sometimes as well 
Yeah, that's actually, um, again, I, that's why I love speaking with you because you say things like that and I'm like, I've never would have even thought about it like that at all. Um, and I just love your observations. But it's, um, yeah, I, that's what I just really pride myself in. You know, we're up to, we're working on the sixth album and before that there was two EPs and a three-track single. And and I am really proud to say that it's all been original music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've actually, and I have, I've only released one cover uh, ever in that time set with um, on something of my own. And, I, and I'm not against either. I, I do have ideas for that world because I do love connecting to someone else's lyric, obviously, as well. But I just really look at it and that's what I say to other um when I'm working with you know younger children and teens with writing um uh, my biggest piece of advice is yeah if you can write from here like if you can write something that you resonate with at the time mm-hmm. doesn't matter if your style changes over the, a period you'll always still connect to that foundation mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's what keeps driving me to write the music and to share and release the music that I do. Um, you know, I think we unfortunately can compare ourselves to other people a lot. Um, you know, social media is great, but sometimes when you are in a, a state of, you know, anxiety or overdriven and you're thinking like, what am I actually doing? And you get on there and you scroll, I, I always think, you know, you can compare in a, in a negative way and think maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not releasing the right things or blah, blah, blah. But that's when I just, again, you find the ground and go, what fit, what do you connect to? Because that's, that's what you'll be able to still sing. Like, I, I hope I'm still doing this. My pop's 85 this year and he's still singing his songs because he connects to them. And, and that's me. I want to do that. <laughs> I have no doubt that you will. Um, and also I have to say I'm shocked and appalled that you haven't got that sixth album out yet, Ashley, <laughs> <laughs> given that your father, Brett, is your producer and he's just down the road. Where is we it? Haven't, we have another song coming uh, in, like, uh, in, uh, in May now. So, it's, you know, we're, we're again, we're drip feeding these. Which <laughs> is scary, though, because, like, I am just, I'm still writing now, which I think is just, um, yeah, I'm really appreciative of the space I'm in at the minute to just keep writing these things and um and and as I said I always finish and even when I'm recording it when we go in to match sound to lyric mm-hmm. that's really important to me too I don't want to think about where it fits and falls mm-hmm. it's all about those lyrics evoking how you want to feel and play um and that's yeah it's always just a, a really awesome thing to see it when it finally comes as one piece and go, ah, it found its way. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned your grandfather, Rex, um, and uh, your father is also involved in your musical life. You've had music around you due to the, that family lineage since you were born. So I'm wondering if the question, because I was going to ask a question about who inspires you and then who your musical influences are, but I wouldn't mind betting they're probably the same people at least two of the same people your father and your grandfather yeah well absolutely well of course because that was just naturally again who I was around all the time um you know my my granddad really has taught me a lot about you know writing and and finding your song in in the space as well um and my dad is absolutely my he's he's taught me everything 
musically about music without even really knowing he was teaching me I think that's the the beauty of that it was again just passing on you know have a play try this and and all those things so that's the core of my whole kind of existence there um Alison Krauss really stands out though um because as a child I remember seeing Alison um on a dvd vcr actually it was my my other grandfather would give me all this musical content um he was just a mad music fan as well and he'd be out on the road with my dad's family just Mm. because he loved it so um my dad would always give me you know these other artists and alison krauss he gave me one of her live concerts and said just just have a look um and i was about seven or eight I think at the time when I first kind of connected to Alison's Karras's music and I saw I actually saw a person that I felt I could be in a sense if you know I saw because I was playing violin already I started to play the violin at six and I desperately just wanted to play the fiddle like that's I always said to mum and dad, I couldn't pronounce, if you like this, I couldn't pronounce my Fs properly. They were Ps. <laughs> so it was the fiddle. Yeah, yeah. So after they took a little bit to decipher actually what I was saying, <laughs> um, they realised and enrolled me in the lessons. But um, watching Alison Krauss on and be able to tell, sing songs and, you know, really connect these stories as such to an audience mm. and, and be able to complement them with the musicianship side, I looked at her and, and I remember just idolising all of that world and going, oh, if she, if she can do this, maybe I can, maybe I can marry all of these worlds together too. Yeah. And then, of course, my grandfather, again, thankfully, um, he was able to, on like Rex had a property, which hosted Felicity Urquhart, uh, Pete Dennehy and the Dennehy family, uh, you know, all of these people that I just thought was really cool that they were at my grandfather's property. Um, and, now, and it was but, cool, yes. <laughs> it is cool. And, but I kind of just thought, again, uh, I, I well, I wasn't, I was just a kid. I just thought that was normal. <laughs> I just thought, thought that everyone had, you know, a stage kind of at the back of their grandfather's property where people <laughs> came played and all these lovely folk came around and bought their tickets and ate the, you know, the morning tea scones and hung out and watching music was normal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's, you know, I've always, and I was always interested, I'd always just be sitting listening to stories of the songs and, and just being really, um, you know, swept up in that notion. Yeah. But, I think one of the big things was my dad, actually, when I started to sing on stage, obviously I was singing other people's, like other songs and covering songs, but my dad was an absolute advocate for before you go out, and it was always done in a real, you know, nurturing way, before you go out on stage with with this song, tell me what it's about. Hmm. And... He would say, and this was in our home, and he'd be like, um, you know, go on, you, you go and practice all your songs, and but I want to know what you think they're about. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be mean, and I'm not being mean, but if I feel like you haven't quite understood 
the level of the story, then maybe it's not the right time yet for you to sing this song. Right. So I've been thinking about lyric Mm-hmm. because of this kind of conversation that my dad would have with me before going out on stage and, and performing these songs from, yeah, very early. So, you know, when I first started out, I was singing um, Grandfather's Clock and a lot of, um, you know, ABC Kids songs. Um, there's a lot more of Australia out the back, Bob the Kelpie, because I really could, I was a kid and I could connect to these stories. And then I remember singing in Home Among the Gum Trees because obviously I, I really got these stories and I remember going to dad with Jolene because I right. it was a festival around and I was seeing more young performers and going, oh, there's there's like there's another I, I'm the same age. Um and and there's nothing wrong with people singing that song early, but when I went to dad with that um you know idea. I had no idea what it was about. And I'm sure in, in saying that there's nothing wrong, like if they can hit the notes and all of that, sure, that's 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 up to them. But I don't think, um, you know, a nine-year-old really understands the level of that song. <laughs> and I hope they don't. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah. and I really think this conversation, and I really thank my dad for it, and, and mum obviously was in that conversation too, but it's really stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm, um, you know, writing and I then come back and go, all right, we're releasing songs as, you know, Ashley Dallas and Ashley Dallas essentially to some, it could be seen like the brand of Ashley Dallas. Well, what do, what do I really want? To, what am I comfortable in saying? Yeah. Because that whole conversation about understanding lyric and understanding, you know, what the song's about, as again, I've been thinking about it since I was a real little kid. <laughs> yeah. But it's such an interesting practice as well for beginning to take the, the song from you to an audience. So in asking you to think about that even as a child singing about a dingo, um, he, you know, you had to really think, all right, how am I, what is it about and in, because then you have to go on stage and then perform that essentially. Yeah. yeah. And that was my whole, um, I remember, you know, I never really probably tested that on that until I became a teenager thinking I knew a lot more and I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it really makes you understand how to tell that properly. Um, and I think that's probably been a real you know, strength to my tool belt, if you, mm-hmm. if you say, like, because it's understanding the weight of what lyrical content and words can have and the effect also of a song to someone else's life. You know, songs become soundtracks and mm-hmm. and I know the nature of a, a child getting up singing is, you know, it's cute, it's endearing and all of those things as well. But I did grow up in a family that that was also their livelihood and how everyone, you know, it's, and we take creating really seriously. Like Mm. we understand that it is, you know, an absolute privilege to be able to play and have these, you know, this art and craft at our hands. So to then have the power as a songwriter to tell and convey a story Mm -hmm. um, is really important so thinking about that content and lyric is yeah so important and I find myself now whenever I'm again involved in judging of talent quests and mentoring um 
I'm really about, yeah, I often say, look, you're singing that song beautifully. Absolutely. You're hitting all those notes. But let's break down the story because I want to I want to see the connection to the story because that's that's probably as a not probably as a singer it's going to make you feel and sing it then differently. Mm-hmm. If you're just going through the motions of the words yeah. we're just going to sing all the notes as they are but you might you know understand the story and then you might feel that story and and either it's joy or it's immense pain mm. and if it's then that's when you let everything else come out and they all magically meld together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your father gave you some, well, in asking you to do that, he actually sort of gave you some great advice about how to be a performer. But I'm wondering if there's some writing advice that was given to you or that you, sorry, I should rephrase it. I wonder if there's advice about writing that was given to you or that you have seen given to others that you thought was particularly valuable. Uh, yeah, I again, I, th- I was in on a... Um, I would have it too. I was writing things down. I was in a, a mentoring kind of scene where Kim Ritchie was in on this as well and just listening to her talk about, you know, the again, the, the craft and the art of songwriting and just that whole thing of not barricading off and putting a wall of, and a perception around what you're meant to create. Mm-hmm. I think that is just such strong advice because if you're closed off before even going into this writing experience or or as you're creating, it's, it's a vulnerable thing to write as well a lot of the time. Um, even the happy songs, you know, they all evoke some a feeling. So if you're, uh, again, yeah, I really took a lot from her chats about not, being yeah off guarded to an idea and also in the same sense um yeah just being really willing to explore and and write down your ideas like again if and do what makes you feel I said I like I even buy books that look different (laughs) (laughs) like I have like the you know a standard notepad yeah. But then I've also got leather books that feel and look like they want to tell a story straight away. Right. Um, so I'm very much, yeah, that whole sense of the, invoking the senses is really important. Um, I, I did have advice passed on, which I learned when I first was in academy, myself as a student, um, and that was a very structured way of writing, of actually even setting up the page. Right. Like, you know, um, exploring your titles and then putting your title if you have it in the middle and then angling off all your sections as such mm-hmm. uh, or think to make you start thinking about the feeling of the song the the story of the song but what's the angle so and when I first saw that even you know on a piece of paper drawn out almost like a mud map I'd never really I'd never done anything like that either so yeah I'm always just um trying to and that's the other thing being open to keep learning other people's technique and the best thing to know is that it might not be the way that resonates with you but that might not that's not to say that's a bad way because Mm -hmm. there's no actual right or wrong in how anyone really creates and at least um if you're sitting in on something and you're hearing somebody talk and you're going I don't I wouldn't write like that don't shut that down don't block that off and disengage mm. because 
I cannot stress how many times I have been, you know, fast forward four years, five years, and I'm stuck on something and I go, hang on, so-and-so said they did that as a trick and I've never tried that. Right. Maybe I will. So I think not disengaging in in other people's creative ways Mm -hmm. just because you don't think that's going to be something you do because you never know. You never know that you might want to try that out. That was a whole treasure trove of advice. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't, I, why are you apologizing? That was all that was all gold. Um, but also, yeah, you, you mentioned mentoring. You also uh, go to the songwriting camp at the Dag Sheik station in Nundal. And there you will find yourself writing with emerging songwriters. I imagine some of them haven't written that many times. So I'm wondering if someone you're writing with is stuck for an idea or they just they maybe freak out a bit about the process. Is there anything you say to them to get them going? Oh, I do. I love, look, to be honest, I love those, those rights yeah. um, because you can often see someone walk in and, and they are like um, you know, nervous or, and you know, daunting and all that stuff. I, I like to, I just get people talking. I just treat it like a conversation in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also go to, and I say, don't put pressure on this, right? It doesn't have to, if this turns out, you know, like and we both feel at the end of this, but don't put pressure on it. Don't. What? What's? No one's going to get hurt by us not getting a great song or getting anything to paper. Let's just enjoy the process. Enjoy it. We're creative. We're, and I just really encourage people again to know that, the songwriting in a collaborative co-write way is very with it should be a very safe experience Mm -hmm. that should feel like you know that's your zone almost like a cone of silence if you will like if you are gonna if someone brings to me a really heavy story and they're really you know vulnerable and attached to that also, I'm not a cold, I, I, I don't sit there and be cold to that. Like I'm human and I feel and I, you know, that evokes my own emotion. Mm-hmm. I want people to know that, yeah, co-writing should be a really joyful and safe experience for all those walls to come down. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing um, your style of writing and marrying that up with or just too it's just energy with people I think is important as well like um and and know that walk again it's that pressure thing if if it's you're in the middle of a riot and you you deep down know that this is just you haven't connected with that person mm-hmm. that's okay don't beat it up as a wasted experience or anything it's it's, it's experience you need that song walk away and start afresh yeah and that comes back to what you were saying before about, you know, the songs that you're writing for yourself. Not all, all of them are going to get recorded, but you need all of them. Yeah. And that's one thing I do say too is with a conversation, if if you're going in as a writer um, to someone comes to me to write, I often will figure out pretty quickly if this song is going to be, it's, it's for them or it's for me or it's a song. And I often figure that out just by the way we're talking. Obviously, you know, some writers might come in and go, you know, I've got this idea, I'm working on an album and I need a song that's the bluesy, you know, my heart's broke, blah, 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 blah. So I know we're writing for an actual target and Mm -hmm. away we go. 
Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, I think um, there was an experience out at the DAG race, like at the last retreat, there was three of us riding together and it was very much a conversation. We weren't actually riding for anyone's target, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We were just three creative heads sitting in there buzzing off one another's energy. <laughs> and we just kept right. We, we wrote this entire song within I think the hour and a half space and when we finished it it was I instantly felt connected to this story as did the other artists and I think that's just important as a creative and your work is precious as well so having conversations that might seem awkward about you know whose song it is or where the rights of the song create they're important to have too And you need to have those conversations. I just would stress that out to people. Like you might feel uncomfortable bringing up like, hey, this is, I really want it to be my song or my work. You need to have those conversations. Otherwise, yeah, it's a whole nother kettle. (laughs) I think that's the subject of a whole seminar doing co-writes. And you could absolutely give that seminar. Um, But I will move on to something slightly different because this is a podcast about books and music. I wanted to mention that you are an ambassador for the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. And if I'm right, you were the first Australian ambassador for that library. So I'm wondering what that role entails for you. Yeah, so it became over, um, it got launched in our hometown of Tamworth in 2019, which was the same year that I had Harriet. And it was the January that it got launched. Um, And Mark and Jay O'Shea have been huge advocates because they got to witness the program in the States. Mm -hmm. And they were huge advocates of getting it to the Tamworth region in particular as well um, because of the whole story glue between Dolly country music. So my role as stepping in as ambassador happened quite naturally because I was actually a parent in the program I enrolled Harriet immediately like I was you know Harriet was born and I'm I think she was the 10th or 11th child signed up in our region (laughs) (laughs) so the conversation between um the you know the being that partnership happened and my role is to share my voice of what the program is and Mm -hmm. it's amazing program that we really want to be accessible all across Australia, um, but funding's huge, obviously, as it is to a lot of uh, things in life. But it sees the child from the from birth to the age of five receive a gift of a book each single month direct to the home, direct to your mailbox. They're age-appropriate books. They come with cue cards to best show engagement of how to, you know, can read the story, what to focus on with your age and development for your your baby and it's amazing it's taking um it's like a reminder as well I know we've got a lot more access to you know books and libraries and um but it does come down to budgets of the household as well and also um what each family is going through that some children don't have a, a great library at home And this is the whole vision of this program is that children have that access and that the families together, Mm -hmm. which is so important, have that time to sit and read together. Uh, And from memory, because it was a while ago I asked you about this the first time, but uh, the literacy rates in the Tamworth region have actually improved 
a lot since the program started? Dramatically. We unfortunately were not in a great tier of our um, reading and literacy rates here. And since the program has uh, started, our is improved across the board. And we're not just, it's, they've seen it um, from the preschool age and then into primary school even because the primary school kids are talking about reading the books through the Dolly Parton Imagination Library with their younger siblings. So it, the flow-on effect of the program is huge. And the Tamworth model is, is really unique as well. Um, we've been able to now, uh, when the program first starts, it's up to the parent or the guardian to go into the library of the region to sign up. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've been able to, thanks to some wonderful funding, um, the hearing nurses at the hospital sign you up immediately at that hearing test with your baby. So no one's escaping that hospital without being signed up <laughs> uh, because you it's wonderful. Like the more kids that have access to this um, and a lot of the questions I get asked is, you know, yeah, but we there's books at shops. What, what's, what's so important about this whole thing happening? Mm-hmm. And I just argue it's people get busy. Life is busy, routines of working schedules, mm-hmm. um, and that's just in a family that, you know, ex- is existing. And then you've got families that actually, you know, have the co-parenting factors, the guardians with their children. Or There's so many unique stories of a family. Mm-hmm. So to take the time out to engage and read, to have a reminder to your home to just stop and do that, I, I think it every single month when it comes, I go, thank you, because I probably haven't sat down enough this week. And we made it part of our routine that, you know, it's so important to do. Um, and the wonderful feedback we get, again, is that um, a lot of our region with the older demographic who didn't have the access as their own youth, mm-hmm. They love now that they're getting that time with their grandsons or their granddaughters and that importance uh, that it starts at home, engaging in that curiosity and learning. Um, you know, I loved when Harriet was, you know, one and a half edging on two. She used to look at the book and go, spine. <laughs> so it's just, it's, again, I think um, it's just really important to take that time. Yeah. So instead of asking you if you have a favourite book to recommend, I'm actually going to ask you which book is your favourite to read to Harriet at the moment or or thus far? We have, oh, gosh, it's it's always changing with, between Harriet and I with our favourite books. <laughs> the Colour of the Curl is I really love that book. Um, I think it was just I really connected to that whole um I think that also tapped into my hairdressing side of my life where I was like this is fantastic it's teaching children about blending colors together <laughs> like <laughs> so that's always on our shelf to read that's kind of mum my pick <laughs> Harriet absolutely loves um Koala Lou she mm-hmm. And that's our book that we read to her early and now she demands that we read that with Lillian. Um, So there's quite a few staples in our household. But the great thing is even with this library as well, it's, um, you know, it does even bring in an education to authors. Mm -hmm. So then we go and buy 
you know, we start following more authors from that. And also the age appropriateness of it. Like we've been gifted, you know, bath books even. So, um, you know, travel books as well where they're more convenient for the car and they're all about sensory. So it really covers a whole grandeur of scope. Yeah. Well, Ashley, as always, it is such a huge pleasure to talk to you and so interesting. And I, and I do love that no matter how many times I've speak, spoken to you, I always learn something. It's always <laughs> inspiring. Um, and I have had you talking for a really long time and you may wish to get on with other things. So I will say goodbye for now, but thank you so much for your time. It's been so great. Thank you. I've enjoyed it every minute of it. I, just, I really do appreciate just, you know, connecting and having this, these chats. I think it's really awesome. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Writing Books and Music podcast. If you'd like to know more about the writer you've just listened to, please go to the show notes.